Never has there been a more crucial time in the history of mankind. The kingdom of darkness has done its best to disrupt governments, enslave societies, and hinder the saints. Circling the globe, however, are mighty men and women carrying the weapons of God to undo the power of Satan, preparing people for the return of Jesus Christ. Evangelist Chris Palmer is one of these soldiers. As he carries out his itinerant, join God's man of faith and power while he contends for the faith once delivered to the saints. Your life will be changed as you learn the walk of the Spirit and the walk of power in On the Road with Chris Palmer. The Lord, if you want to stand, you can stand. Keep with me. Because, I, because what, I, what God is doing, what God is beginning to do, friend, is stay with me on the piano because, thank you. Good to see you, Joyce. What God is doing inside the body of Christ is something big. And I want to tell you prophetically the word of God that I have. I, I, I was um, getting ready to go to preach for my spiritual father, Bishop Keith Butler in Austin, Texas, and Dallas, Texas. And I figured since he called me out of the blue and asked me to come, I rearranged everything that I was doing. That's just the honor that you should have for your spiritual father. If Pastor Steve ever asked you to do anything, it doesn't matter if you have a family vacation planned for Maui. You better do what he says to do because... The safest place to be is in the will of God, and he's not going to miss God. Rearranged it, and I, I said, okay, God, I probably should come with a fresh word from heaven. I mean, you should anyway, but I especially wanted to be fresh for my spiritual daddy. And I began to say, okay, I'm going to enter into private worship. And Dr. Diaz, I gave the Lord. I said, God, I'm going to give you, I have a lot to do. You know what I have to do. I'm going to give you a four good hours in private worship. I'm just going to worship you. I'm not going to study. I'm going to worship you. Just worship you. Because sometimes you begin a process of worship, friend. And I'm going to talk tonight about how praise is your entryway and access point into not just the anointing, but your praise, Pastor Stephen, is access point into the glory realm. Where a realm that you can't see exists. You know, scientists say that we, this is kind of heavy, but scientists will tell us that we live in a three-dimensional world, but science has proven now that there are ten dimensions. And you only see from three of them, and it takes a special trained mind to actually see into the fourth dimension or understand what life looks like in the fourth dimension. And picture this, there are ten dimensions. And if there are ten dimensions and God is the creator, he created all ten dimensions. And what your praise will begin to do is begin to accelerate things inside the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth dimension. And will bring the help that you need for your life. And so I'm talking about getting help from another dimension. And so I laid out before God, and sometimes you can, work, you can praise God, sometimes you can thank God, but I entered into private worship because, friend, intimacy will always cut the head off of intimidation in your life. The Bible says that perfect love, Pastor, casts out fear. So if you have fear in your life or there's something in your life that has not been able to be killed, there's a giant inside of your life, the only thing that can kill that is your relationship with God. It is your intimacy that you have spent with God inside the private prayer closet. And I'm afraid to say what the modern American church has done, and I'm not here to bash the church, but just to raise a point, is we've boiled it down to 10 points and 15 ways to do this and 26 ways to do that. But what God is saying, all you need to do is become intimate with my spirit, and he'll begin to talk to you, he'll begin to speak to you, and you'll always know what to do and when to do it and how to perform it. But we want to be successful, Brother Palmer. I want to be successful too. But there is no success outside of your level of intimacy with God. No man can succeed beyond his prayer life. 
So people say to me, how do I open up the door to what God has for me? I'm just speaking out of my spirit tonight, Pastor. How do I open the door to what God has for me? I say, you have to develop that intimacy with God. You have to really begin the process of doing that. So I say, the very first thing that I do is I ask God, what is it that I need to begin to do to engage you, God? And I felt to worship God. And, and I had an encounter with God that I want to tell you about tonight. I had an encounter with Him. I was in my room, and I locked my phone and my iPad and my computer in the other room. And, you know, you, you do something like that, you're probably going to end up having 28 missed calls. And they never call you until that's just how it goes. But I didn't give the enemy an opportunity. For I desire to show my people how much I love them tonight. Because once they see my love that I have for them, all the condemnation and guilt that they have from the past will begin to wear away. Their heart will no longer condemn them for they'll see the way I see them through my eyes, says the Spirit. So I started off and I was laying on my face before God and I said, okay, let's do this. I said, Jesus, I worship you. I love you, Jesus. Then I started thinking about all the stuff I had to do. So I said, no, you don't mind. And I went and grabbed my mind and walked down the street and grabbed my mind and said, we're going to worship Jesus, okay, mind. And I brought it back over here and I said, now... Let's do this again. Jesus, I worship. I wonder what's for dinner. Oh, I wonder what's. Come on, man. Let's go back here. Jesus, I worship you. I wonder. And all these wonders. So, come on, man. Let's bring it back. So I brought my mind back. And then um, my mind got frustrated. So it decided to go to sleep on me. <laughs> so I woke up. Went to the bathroom and put some cold water on my face. And God's laughing the whole time because he knows I'm just a few minutes past just stepping through that thing. So I said, okay, I'm staying with it. I'm going to get me down. Jesus, I worship you. Something, I felt like a train. I felt like a rumble. I, could, I no longer had to struggle to get my mind quiet. He was coming. I said he was coming. And like a, you know, when God comes... When he wants to visit you, it's like a parade. You can, you know, you ever see, you're at Disney World, you're standing all the way down in Frontierland, and the parade's coming over here in Main Street. You can tell because there's like a little rumble that starts, because you can hear the music in the distance. When God comes, he comes and he parades, and that's when the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He's talking about how when God does something for you, he makes a parade out of it. Your healing is not meant to keep quiet. So he started coming. I could feel that he was coming. And, and the presence of God in my room, it just filled that place. It was a presence that just flooded my room. And sometimes the Holy Ghost comes and he's water. It's like a rushing wave. And sometimes he comes, it's like a river and it's peaceful like a brook. You just want to sit by. But sometimes it's like a mist and you just want to just enjoy it. And it was like a fragile mist. It was an anointing. And God says, open up to James chapter 5. And I don't want you to open it up tonight because I'm not here to teach. Um, but if a Bible would be good. If, where's my Bible? Where's it at? <laughs> where there it is. This is what God said, and he began to minister to me, and, and uh, he said, Son, it's my desire for you to know the love that I now have for mankind. And he began to minister, me, minister to me, Dr. D, about the love that he has for man. And he brought me to this scripture, and let me read it to you briefly tonight, and then we're just going to let the Holy Ghost have his way. Is that okay tonight? The Holy Ghost. Yeah, I like to say the Holy Ghost. I don't say it with the Holy Spirit. I say the Holy Ghost because religious people get mad. Well, he's the Holy Spirit. No, he's the Holy Ghost. He's the Holy Ghost. 
That's how you can tell the difference between Pentecostals and Charismatics. Charismatics say Holy Spirit. Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. <laughs> Holy Ghost over here. We break every spirit of religion that's in this place right now in the name of Jesus. We break every mask of religion right now in Jesus' name. Every mask of religion, we break it off in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry to tell you, friend, but your box, your outline box that you drew, God is not inside of it. He is outside of it. You have about one fraction of a fraction of a fraction of God inside that little box of yours. And if you don't get rid of that box, you're going to limit your walk with God to that little tiny box that you drew. And when you get to heaven, you're going to find out that this is all I limited God to. He's outside of just the authors that you read. He's outside of your favorite speakers. He's outside of the takes that you now have verses. He is megas, is what the word of God says. He's the glorious one. Well, someone told me, I only listen to two speakers because I don't want my spirit to get confused. I said, if it gets confused, it ain't your spirit getting confused. It's your mind getting confused. Your spirit cannot get confused because you have the Holy Ghost, according to 1 John 2.27, teaching you all things. So it says here in James chapter 5, it says, the Lord gave me this verse. It says, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Someone say patient. Preceding this verse, you have about... Six verses concerning the state of mankind at his time and James's time, the Lord's brother. He says, be patient, therefore, unto the coming of the Lord. And immediately when I read that verse under the anointing and unction and illumination of the Spirit in my heart, got convicted. And the Lord rolled back the tapes or MP3s or DVD players or A-tracks or whatever you want to call them. And he showed me all the times that I was sitting there in frustration in religion and self-righteousness saying I hate this world it is a slime pit Holy Spirit come Maranatha Jesus come and I, all the Facebook posts that I had made and all the things I have said and all the times I'm preaching saying I can't wait for God to come I can't wait for him to show up I want God to come because this earth is a slime pit and I can't wait for the day that the Father comes I can't wait for the day when Jesus comes and he raptures us up to the earth and we can have the marriage supper of the Lamb and we can look down through a glass window and see all the hell that's going to take the earth and I'd read the book of revelation and i would laugh because we were the victorious ones and i would say things like i know how the back of the book ends but when i had a love encounter with god this day everything began to change inside of my life because what the father did is was he brought me closer to his bosom and i can really understand the heart of god that he now has for the earth and i looked and i saw myself enter into a room and i saw the father and he was standing or actually he was kneeling like this and he was looking at something and it was like i walked into the room like when you walk into the room on your kids and they're playing Xbox and they don't even know you stepped into the room because they're so consumed with Medal of Honor. They don't even know you're there. And I walked into the room and God didn't even acknowledge me because God doesn't acknowledge your self-righteousness in your religion, friend. And I was like, what are you looking at, Father? And I think it was the Holy Spirit that was kind of, or an angel or something was showing, speaking to me. He said, he's looking at the world. And he had the same, my brother became a father. And I remember the look of my, fa- my brother when he was looking at his nephew, my, my nephew, his son. I mean, it's an awe and amazement because all of a sudden, I mean, I became an uncle and I had this love for this baby. I didn't even, you know, usually when you fall in love with a girl, you fall, it takes time for you to develop that love. Or it should. But all of a sudden, love, I just had this love for my nephew. And I remember looking at him. And I remember seeing my brother look at him. It was, you could, it didn't matter if a bulldozer came through the room. It didn't matter. You were looking at And that was the father's gaze that he had toward the earth. Just like this. He had this 
like this. He was still amazed because when he, but because you are a mirror that reflects the glory of God. See, this, the, the moon and the earth has no glory in and of itself. When you see the moonlight, that is the reflection of the sun. And the reason why you're precious to the Father is because when people look at you and you reflect the glory of God, it's you are a mirror and a reflection of him. So every time he looks at you, he sees himself. That's why he loves you so much. Part of the reason why. And I remember thinking to myself, does he understand that the world that he is now looking at hates him? They deny that he exists. They can't stand him. That there are universities going on. Summer school class is in session. And they are teaching that this God is just a fallacy. A stupid ancient way of thinking. I remember thinking, does he know this? Does he even care? And then the Lord brought me back to this verse, and the Holy Spirit told me, he knows. That doesn't change the love that he still has for mankind. And your problem in ministry up to this point, Chris, is that you have gone into churches, and you have not looked at people with the love that I have, and that's why you have seen a reduction in the limitlessness on the amount of miracles that you see. And if you want to go into greater realms of glory, you cannot enter into the realm of glory and realms of glory unless you really understand the love that God now has for you. That one day, friend, the Bible says that we now look through a mirror foggily. It's like when you come out the shower and you ran in such a hot shower, you look at the mirror and it's full of fog, you can't see yourself. And what it's saying is that even if the Holy Spirit would open you up tonight and give to you a revelation of the love that God has for you, and it would overwhelm you to a point where you couldn't stand up, and you would bawl and weep, and that you would cry, and that you would fall out under the power, you are still looking through a glass with fog on it. And the Bible says that the only time you will truly understand the love that God has for you is on that day when you are raptured and taken to heaven, and you stand before the gates of heaven and you look in the distance and you now see him face to face and come to see the eyes of the person that we know and love and have grown to call Jesus but until that point you will never know the love that he has for you and I remember experiencing just a little bit of this love and this vision and I absolutely could not take it I could not take it I could not take the love that he had for mankind and God says if I allowed you to walk in this love the rest of your life you would not be able to bear it and then I understand why James wrote this next verse he says behold the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain I said what do you mean God he says son and this is the Holy Spirit teaching me about the father because the Spirit always speaks of Jesus, and Jesus always speaks of the Father. I like how they just keep talking about each other. And he said that, let me illustrate to you the difference between your heart and my heart. You're in a field, and you see wheat, and you decide that you want to remove the wheat from the tares. You want to burn the wheat. You want to get rid of them. You want to extricate them, and you want to eradicate them because of your religion, your self-righteousness, and you don't have a revelation of my love. And he says, I am the owner of this field. And just like a farmer who owns a field, loves his field, and cares for his field, and tend, and, 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 fer- and is, wakes up in the morning and goes to his field, and he has put and invested his whole life into tilling the soil in this field, he says, that's my affection now for the world, the way a father, the way a farmer loves his field. He says, that's how much I care about 
about this world right now. And this is what he said. He says, you are so busy asking me to burn the field. And what I want is I love my field so much that I want it to yield another crop. And so what you're saying is burn the field. And what I'm saying is I'll do it. But first of all, ask me to send rain one more time. Ask me to send rain one more time and just be patient and wait under the pressure just a little bit longer so I can yield another harvest. I felt about this small. About this small. Because the Bible says that the whole world lies in wickedness. The world is out there right now walking in wickedness. And there is a mastermind who is behind it all. And he's called, I talked about it last time I was here. He's called the spirit of Antichrist. He is Satan's war machine. I talked about it last time. He's this evil, devising, demonic spirit who is blinding the minds of them that believe not. He's got his dirty claws and talons sunk into their forehead. And he is putting a stronghold into their mind with false ideas and false perceptions and false religion. He has them embedded in Islam. He has them embedded in New Age. He has them embedded in psychic power. People that have itching ears. He has them embedded in torment and fear. That's who he has your children now embedded in those things. He has your loved ones that are now wrapped up in those things he has blinded them and what god is saying is yes in your self-righteousness i could come right now but what about them and what if you are them he is still defending the sinners in this age of grace and he says when is my church gonna arise put away the self-righteous religion that we now have when are we gonna stop trying to be i would say this at a preacher's conference preaching superstars and the next superstar when are we going to put away our racism and racial divisions where blacks and whites don't want to worship together? Where the white church feels they're righteous and self because they invited a black preacher? And where the, when are we going to put that away? I know a church that says, well, we, we took our people down, you know, to black church. So? There's a move now that's going on in Michigan and trying to get black churches and white churches to come together. And I said, they don't understand. Unless there's a change in the hearts of people. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, it is, it's just, it's just, it's not going to happen. It has to come through the love of God, a revelation with the love of God. We want to be walking millionaire, we want to do all this, but when, when? So I said, God, what do you want me to do? He said, son, I want you to read about the early and the latter rain. So I began to take up the book of Acts instead of reading through the book of Acts. And I could take you through the book of Acts tonight. We could go through. We could do a deep, in-depth, exhaustive study about how the book of Acts is absolutely mystical and miraculous. That I don't care what you've seen so far. You have never seen anything like the book of Acts. Don't, don't, you, ha- you just haven't. Well, I saw Oral Roberts one time when I was a kid. It doesn't matter. You haven't seen the book of Acts. Well, I saw, a- I saw William Branham. You still haven't seen the move of the book of Acts. Because that was the early reign. And some will say that the greatest outpouring that we have ever seen since the book of Acts happened at a little small mission in Los Angeles, California called 312 Azusa Street in 1906. And it started with a man named William J. Seymour. And some historians today believe that the Azusa Street revival in 1906 was the latter rain, where God began to pour his spirit out. Whether you want to call it the latter rain or you want to say the latter rain is just yet, whatever you want to say, there is no denying that is the closest we have seen to the book of Acts since Acts. And God told me and gave me that scripture in Jew where he says, It is time that the church begins to earnestly contend. 
for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That we cannot continue to be wonder-bred Christians that just go around and say, that was a good word. I told people, don't even tell me it was a good word no more. I don't want a good word because all these good words, people who are in wheelchairs are surviving my services. Through good words, people who have arms that need to grow back, they're still surviving the good words. I'm contending for something that's beyond as a good word. Because I know, Pastor, what can be available to people whose hearts are united, who will endure a life of sustaining prayer and just continue to go after what God said is possible. We don't want that in our church. You won't have it in your church, and God will pass your church by, and he'll judge it just like he does in Revelation 2 and 3, the churches that didn't want Jesus, and he'll remove your candlestick. God's the only boss that will fire you and let you keep spinning your wheels and working. I'm convinced he's fired a lot of pastors across the United States. I'm convinced that he's fired a lot of people who are just want to be self-righteous. You're fired, but you just keep on working because people are still going to come to the kingdom, but your reward has been cut off. Keep on glorifying yourself. God ain't looking for that no more. So I said, what do you want me to do? God said, I want you to start reading about Azusa Street. And I want you to begin to go around and tell people what they could have if they just believe. God says, people are so busy wanting this and wanting that. And he says, I'm, my heart is breaking from my field right now. It's dry. It's going to catch fire. Time is ending. It's short. When is my people? When am I going to hear a sound? You know, people say, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Sometimes people think that sound is God sending the rain. That's not God sending the rain. That's you asking for the rain. That's the corporate voice of people saying, God, please, please, please send your rain. Please send your rain, God. And I'm a Kenneth Hagin. I'm a word of faith type God. I believe that everything that we have has been given to us as believers. If any man be in Christ, that we are the sons of God, that we ask them, we are that. But what I also believe, friend, is what I want to talk to you just a little bit about tonight is that there's a difference between the glory that lives in you and what I like to call or what the it's never used in the Bible but the Jewish people would tell you and this is what they said happened in Azusa Street was the Shekinah glory of God people say we've seen revival the Browns were revival we've seen the moves of God we've seen the, all this stuff but what they never had that Azusa Street had was the Shekinah glory of God it was the Shekinah glory of God. Psalm chapter 22, you can find what it says in Psalm 22, verse 3. It says that the Lord inhabited the praises of Israel. I look up the word there, inhabited, in the, in, 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 in the, in the Hebrew. The word there, inhabited, means that God actually, when people, yeah, he, he sat down. He said, I, this, this, is, I, this, this is where I can sit. I can, I can just rest here right now. And God just sits down. He rests he just sits down. He, he decides to move. It's like God says it's moving day. And I'm going to move my stuff from my throne of glory. And I'm going to move it down to 312 Azusa Street. And historians will tell you. And people that were a part of the Azusa Street revival will tell you that for five years, God's address was not the New Jerusalem. God's address was 312 Azusa Street, Los Angeles, California. And what separated Azusa Street from every other revival was the fact that it wasn't just like someone would start preaching good and the glory cloud would come. And I've seen that before. What it's talking about is that the glory cloud never left, was always there. 
12, 1, 2, 5, 6, 8 o'clock at night, the glory cloud was still there, and kids were running up to their parents and saying, Mom, Dad, can we just go to church? I want to get in the glory. Can we go to church? Just let me get to church five days a week. People were running to the church because the glory of God was there because it was so thick, and historians will tell you at the time accurately that they would walk into Azusa Street, and sometimes the glory cloud was super thick. Sometimes it was just like a haze, but there were times where it would get absolutely so thick that the kids would start playing hide and go seek inside the cloud. One time a youngster, it was recorded, snuck in a Coke bottle or some type of glass bottle because he loved the glory so much he didn't want to be a part of it. Pastor, he tried to bottle it up and take it home with him so he could have it in his room. That was happening at Azusa Street. That God says, I can't have this filth in the earth. I was preaching in Phoenix, Arizona on Sunday. And I was in the back, Pastor, and I was getting ready to go on the stage. And you know, sometimes people are like, why doesn't the preacher come out before, after praise and worship? Because sometimes the Lord's talking to the preacher. That's just you finding a reason not to like the pastor. And I was sitting back there, and God began to talk to me. And he threw me into a little bit of a vision. And God said to me, tell my people, I'm going to breathe upon them. Come away with me and say, breathe upon me. Say, God, breathe upon me. And he says, I want you to tell my people everywhere you go. He says, tell my believers, do not fear Islam. Do not fear the radical gay agenda. He said, do not fear false religion. And I said, God, there's, it, it's filthy. It's filth upon the earth. He says, Chris, I see the filth upon the earth. He says, but one outpouring can wash the filth away. He said, one outpouring can wash the filth away. So you can, you can do your best to get your apologetics and read your favorite books and come up to a Muslim and say, well, this is why, this is why, this is why, oh man, I mean, okay, this is why Allah is not God and why Jehovah's God and, and then he makes you feel like an idiot. Or you feel like you guys confuse each other. When a Jehovah's Witness comes walking. You know, Christians don't want to deal with the Jehovah's Witness. Because a lot of Christians don't know scripture. The Jehovah's Witness comes walking around talking about this and that. And they say, you know what? I don't know anything about that. But I can tell you about this time next week. I'm about to get a blessing. They don't want to deal with the theological battles. But what God says is, he says, Chris, ask me for an outpouring and I will send the rain. And I said, God, what do you mean? He took me to Habakkuk chapter 2. He says, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And the Lord showed me what he was talking about when Habakkuk or Habakkuk or whatever you want to say. I saw a funny joke. He says, you know you're Pentecostal when you can pronounce Habakkuk. <laughs> the Lord took me in that verse and he says, this is what I want for my people. This is what I want for my earth. Is I want an outpouring. And the Lord showed me what he was talking about when he says, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters of sea. He was talking about Noah's flood. And the whole reason when you study Noah, the whole reason that God destroyed the earth in Noah's day was the fact that there was a propagation of the spirit of Antichrist. And I won't get deep into it. You can go as deep as you want in the study. But you'll find out that there was false religion that was being propagated. And the spirit of Antichrist was rising up a titan generation. And this titan generation was designed to oppose Christ and to replace Christ. And the whole world was now under a pseudo-religion and false religion and was worshiping Satan and was getting filled with demons and filled with devils. 
It was a false religion. And why God sent the flood is because he had to destroy the knowledge of the spirit of Antichrist. It was an outpouring, but it came in the form of judgment. But what God is saying is that he's getting ready to send an outpouring, but this time it's going to be in the form of mercy. I just spoke prophetically to you. So you begin to see this outpouring when I say, God, what is what is this Azusa Street outpouring look like? The thing that made Azusa Street so powerful was not that, you know, Seymour would come in. He would have a box that was over his head. It was like, what do you do if I came in and I had eye holes in this? And I put this over my head and walked in and you're like, is that Chris Palmer or who is that? Is that Iron Man under that thing? And he would come in and they said that as long as he had that box over his head, there would be lightnings going on in that thing. As he would pray in the Holy Ghost. But sometimes he wouldn't come down for one or two hours, but service was going on. And people said, what, what was going on in service when he wasn't, he, what was going on in service? Were they praising and worshiping? And history will tell you this, that when the Shekinah glory got thick, there would be droves of visitors that would come in. And the people, the congregants, they would see someone come in who was limping and they would swarm that person. Have you come here for a healing? I heard about the Azusa Street. And they would lay their hands on that people. And they had enough crazy faith to believe that God was eradicating sickness and disease in this season, in this hour, in this glorious outpouring. And it's recorded that people that were at Azusa Street for all five years, some of them were a part of two to three thousand miracles. Creative miracles. Accounts talk about bones popping back into place, arms growing back, whole arms just coming right out of their sockets, growing back into place. People that didn't have legs, the leg would supernaturally begin to form. People talk about Smith Wigglesworth like he was the only one doing it, but they don't read the accounts of Azusa Street when this stuff was happening before Wigglesworth. There's one time, this is the supernatural prophetic and apostolic power of the kingdom of God when Frank Bartleman who was a historian that had a little mission down the street from Azusa Street and he would talk about how there was about a five block parameter that heaven had set up around Azusa Street and if this is Azusa Street about five blocks around it if the service was going on and the anointing was kicking and the glory was falling it doesn't matter who you were and what was going on you would fall out under the power I don't believe that well you don't know nothing I'm sorry, but I like your church's carpet. Yeah, I said, I like your church's pews, and your pastor's charismatic. He dresses sharp. He's got the framed horn glasses and has pointy shoes. But let me tell you something. I want the glory. I want the power of God. I, want, I don't want coffee and donuts. I want presence and power, friend. If I want coffee and donuts, I'll get up early and go to Dunkin' Donuts. I want the presence of God. We gotta try and be relevant. What's relevant about a God that can walk on water? It's not relevant about that. How can you make that relevant? How can you make a supernatural realm relevant for people? It's not irrelevant about that at all. Show me the glory. Show me the show me the revelation realm where the glory can exist. And what I want to talk to you tonight, friend, as I'm saying, is that if you begin to have encounters with the Spirit of God. The glory can rest. It can settle. It can exist. Nothing short of the Shekinah glory can eradicate the one wall that is keeping revival from happening in America, and it is racism. What? 
the most segregated hour in American history is Sunday mornings. And what God told me, he says, that is the great dragon that has yet to be slain in America is segregation and racism inside the modern American church. And what God is saying is he wants all his people to come together. He wants people to know that he is a miracle-working God. And the number one miracle is when blacks and whites and Chinese and Orientals, it doesn't matter what style of music. If it's gospel, if it's hip-hop, if it's Wonder Bread music, from the, it doesn't matter what it's supposed to be. If it's country, if it's folk, as long as the presence of God is there, there's a testimony that he is Lord. That's what an outpouring looks like. And uh, my heart got so hungry. My God, my, I mean, I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. My heart got absolutely so hungry for the presence of God to see the glory of God begin to fall. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover the earth as the waters, as they cover the season. The greatest thing that happened at Azusa Street was the fact that William Seymour stood up and he says that, Despite all the great miracles and the signs and the wonders that we have seen, despite the ears that there was one account where a lady put her hand over a man who had no ear and the whole ear just grew back in her hand. So the whole ear just grows. I mean, picture you just one minute there's an ear there. Well, this is all just hearsay. It's not hearsay. It's recorded history, friend. It is recorded history. That's when I talk about Satan's war machine. Look at what is one of the most ungodly cities in the whole United States. It's Los, I was just in Los Angeles a few days ago. It's Los Angeles. If you go there right now, the only thing you see of the Azusa Street, when you go to the exact 312 Azusa Street, there's a little sign about the size of a yield sign just hanging there. It says this was the Azusa Street. There is nothing there. There is a Japanese library there right now. Not that I have anything against Japanese libraries, but there, there's no memory of the Azusa Street Revival. Satan found out what was happening, and he says, it will never again happen in this territory. And he assigned the rulers of the darkness of this world to lock out a move of God's glory. And he is guarding over that territory again, so another revival like that does not break out. But I was meditating last night, and I was talking to God. I said, God... What do you want to do in this generation? He said, son, he says, all the people that could have recounted Azusa Street, that whole generation is dead and gone. There is nobody that can tell you about that personally from firsthand revelation anymore. He said, but I want to do it again, but I want to do it differently. I said, what do you mean, God? He says, Chris, he says, think about what I did at Azusa Street. You had hundreds of thousands of people running to that little mission, that little broke-down Lutheran church on that corner. People were trying to come in there, getting touched by the power of God. And that became the number one thing was racism was washed away by the blood of Christ. And it became the largest training ground for the Pentecostal movement where there are now 600 million tongue-talking, Bible-believing Christians all across the world. And even though you may not see revival in the United States, there is revival and a release of the outpouring of God going on, especially in places like China and the persecuted churches. Well, they want to have church for nine hours. Pastor, please give me more of the word. Can you please preach? Can you please? And miracles in one. They are happening all across because they're hungry. And they're desperate for Jesus. One of my friends told me, he said, Chris, there are a lot of good preachers in the United States, but you know what the biggest problem preachers are today? I said, what? Is it pride? He said, it's not pride. It's the root of pride. I said, what's that? He says, they have everything, and they're not truly and desperately broken for Jesus. You know what God told me again about this? He said, Chris, he said, I have called my people to be a soldier. He says, but Christians and the people I call are the only people who call themselves soldiers but don't want to train like soldiers. You ain't listening to what I'm saying. Ask God. Listen to this now. This may wreck your, your theology a little bit, but ask God to raise you up and watch him start dragging you through the valley. I'm not talking about sickness or disease, but he'll drag you through the valley. What are you talking about? Think about the Spartans. You all see 300? This is Spartan. All that stuff. 
the Spartans loved their kids so much they wanted them to become mighty warriors. So you know what they said to their kid when they're about four years old, five years old? Throw you out in the wilderness. Here's a spear. Here's a stone. Go kill and make your own clothes. Go do this. And when the kids would come back from the wilderness, they'd come back, but pastors, they'd have that look in their eye. They were hungry. They knew that it didn't matter what you put me up against. I'm going to knock you out because of the training that I have. All the while you're going through this. I'm not talking about your sickness or your disease. I'm not talking. But what I am talking about is seasons in your life. Sometimes you go through seasons. You're like, give me a new season, God. But what God is saying is if you can bear up under the pressure of this season, you're going to come out with that look in your eye and nothing's going to be able to stop you. So don't give me a book about a new season. Bring me through this season and bring me through it victoriously, God. And then I'll be able to say, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me and gave himself for me. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Throw hell at me. Throw a principality at me. But you can't stop the image of the Son of God that's inside my heart. That bears witness that I am a Son of God. We got a bunch of Wonder Bread Christians. Get ready. We're going to get this. And I ain't. that's not what I'm about. God told me it's that look in your eye. I told God when I said that, don't you ever. You're going to build my ministry for God as you begin to build it slowly but surely brick by brick. I said, I don't want anybody in my ministry that doesn't have that look in their eye. They don't have to have the highest education. They don't. But what they got to have, if they're on my accounting team, if they're on my prayer team, if they're my volunteers, they got to be desperate for Jesus. They got to want to pray with me. They, gotta have, they may be quirky. They may be goofy. They may not look the part. But as long as they got that look in their eye, friend. You know what God will do? You have preachers training right now. You have preachers who are training to be the next great preacher. Give me a reality TV show. I'm the next American great idol preacher. And what God will do is he'll say, oh, your seminary education, you sat at Raymond for two years. You're doing miracles right now, but you got pride and you're full of yourself. I'm going to find a Muslim and visit him in his dreams and make him the next preacher. God will do it and laugh. He will laugh because he'll say, I'm God. You see that? What? You don't like it? All right, fine. So I said, God, what's, what, is that, what does that outpouring look like, God? He says, I'm calling people who have to look in their eye, who are hungry. God has sent me people who are hungry. People that would just go to the bathroom. I'll talk about that later. I'm going to talk on Sunday about, I'm going to follow up, I believe, if, unless the Holy Ghost changes the service. What I talked to you a little bit last time about, I preached to you a message about praying in the Holy Ghost last time I was here. And I've, I've, I've intensified it a little bit. Because some of y'all aren't doing it. The Lord told me. He says, you get him back on it. But, uh, but I'll share all that for next on Sunday. But, but um, I said, what does an outpouring look like, God? And he said, son, he says, the outpouring of the book of Acts is what I want to do. And he took me to Acts chapter 9. You guys feel the presence of the Lord in this room. Come on, lift your hands right now. Just say, glory to God. Just say, breathe upon me, Spirit of God. Breathe upon me, Spirit of God. There are levels, there are depths that I've called you to. I see a pool, and God's at the deep end. He's saying, come deeper. Come deeper. You're in the shallow end, treading water. He says, just come deeper. Come deeper. Come deeper, says the Lord. Give me more time and consecrate. And as you consecrate to me, I'll take you deeper into the realms of glory. Well, this church will no longer be a place where you have to bandage yourself up, but it will be a place where I deploy you to become mighty warriors of the, of the kingdom of God. 
Oh, we're hungry for you, Jesus. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. We're hungry for you. Thank you for listening. For more information about Chris Palmer and Chris Palmer Ministries, visit us on the web at www.chrispalmerministries.com or call us at 1-866-98-AWAY. And remember, walk in the Spirit in these last days.